War Podcast Episode 4, go. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Mason. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? Are you not focusing on the podcast? I'm trying to get the show notes to load. Uh, Drive is being slow. Alright, well, I'm Mason Brown. This is Dylan Invento. And we make up Ward. A independent game development company, or game development company, that has a game. Um, working on one right now. Working on one right now, called Nightlight. Hopefully it'll be done by the next Lunum Dare. That's the goal. Um, now that there's an actual intro to the game, now that there's an actual like loop that's like playable from start to finish, not, I mean not... It can begin. There's there's a logo. There's a treatment. There's a there's a start screen. It it has, and then it goes into gameplay. It has some semblance of being real. I, yeah, it's real. Um, as real as I want it to be. How so? What what did you work on today? Uh today I finished, um, getting the intro to go into the start of the gameplay. Mm -hmm. So, basically, there was no intro previously, like before I started, I don't know, when I started, like a month ago or a month Mm -hmm. and a half Mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. Um, On and off. So, basically, when the game started, it just started from, like, where the actual gameplay started. So it just turned the game on, and it went from there. And then you just played it from there. But now there's an actual... Um, but now you go into the start screen, which is more interactive than a regular start sh- screen where you just like hit start to play. Like you actually, there's like a, um, an avatar for the actual player character on there that bleeds into the actual game. So I just had to stitch the two pieces together, which wasn't hard because I basically have two separate cameras mm-hmm. in the game. And you just turn one off and turn the other one on. Um, and it's probably not as much a start screen as it is, like, uh, a early title card. You know what I mean? Like, you're, okay. it's not really, there's no press to start anyways. I, I guess technically it's a start screen. Yeah. But I would say it's a cold opening mm-hmm. in the realm of 2D pixel-based art <laughs> vision games. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about earlier about... So the premise of Nightlife is that it's it's based on the Lundari. So what now or what next? It wasn't Lundari. It was Global Game Jam. Global Game Jam. For what was the theme? It was uh, what do we do now? What do we do now? Um, so we made a game about what happens after you beat the final boss in a fantasy game. Yeah. Elevator pitch, more or less. Um, That's telling elevator pitch I created in like five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> when we were a day late, and we were like, all right, we need to make something. Were we a day late? We didn't go that Friday. Mm. So we didn't have any brainstorming time, so we just rolled in. Slacker. Well, I think it was the best one we could come up with. Um, so we were talking a second ago about. So what happens is you 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 run down the hill, you receive what is supposedly either the final quest or a quest. Um. And you beat the boss. And originally we had credits come out to kind of show that the game was over. And what are your thoughts on the credits? Right, so what you mean was like, after you beat the final boss, the screen kind of partitioned. Mm-hmm. So it was like, a third of the screen was dedicated to just scrolling text. Mm-hmm. Um, that were like fake credits, and then you still play the game on the left. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then on this new version, because what I did was uh, when we finished, finished, we, I mean, we didn't have much done of the original one, but like I went back and this was after learning a lot about, a lot more about Unity, especially now Unity 5 is out. And then I also switched to C Sharp from JavaScript, which was what I was using for the original one. Um, I just basically went back in and redid everything. And in this new version, I have yet to implement the screen split where it shows the credits. And we were just discussing why, um, if I should, we should put that in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like I like the joke. It was fine. The only um, the only issue I have with the joke is that yeah. it's just less screen real estate for the player to see what's going on. But I don't think... Do you think screen real estate's important in this case? I guess not. I mean, if it was a, uh, a game where you can stop at any time in this game. There's no time... There's no gameplay reason you need any more real estate of the screen. You know what I mean? Um, I guess. That's my only thing about, you know, so that's when we're looking at it from a gameplay perspective, I don't see any issue as to why you wouldn't need it. Well, it's like the issue with, so when in Unity, when I'm testing it, mm-hmm. the aspect ratio is 16 by 9. Mm-hmm. But when I exported it to WebGL just to play around, see how it looked, it's 16 by 10, which isn't a huge deal, but... I had to bring in some, like, so, like, the first screen, um, the first, we're fighting the final boss, I had to bring everything in a little bit, because because it was cut off a little, a little thinner. Well, I mean, regardless of the solution, onto how we, hold on one second. Where were we? We were talking about whether or not to include the credits. Okay, so, arguments against the credits. My only argument is that, I've been testing things at full screen size. So sixteen by nine. Yes, or sixteen by ten. However, however, it gets split, and my worry is things won't be easily visible, like the food in the kitchen. That might be harder to see if it's only two thirds of the screen. Won't be a huge deal. It's just. Do you have to break it down by thirds? I don't, but any thinner. Or it could be an overlay. Of transparent PNGs on the right side to just scroll up, could be a massive transparent PG. That actually, that'd be really funny. Yeah, well, it just goes because you just have white and text and then maybe like the shadow, like a black drop shadow. I mean, you could. I mean, you wouldn't even do. You, you could just do like a, essentially a really tall image that's five hundred pixels wide or whatever it is, and you force it to the right. And it's just a scrolling asset that goes up right. indefinitely. We don't have to do. Well, I, I get you I get figure out what it would do, and then you can have like either a grayed out, slightly like a down opacity gray background, or no background and just bold white text. Okay, that might okay. And then you get both effects, and then regardless of the aspect ratio, it wouldn't matter at that point. Well, we can play around with that, but yeah, I, so think, I think there's a, there's a solution there, but yeah. I think that we should. But uh, to oh, okay. I'm not against having the credits. Okay, so yeah, then 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 we just got to figure out a solution for it. Um. Boom. Problem solved. That doing the stuff with the audio and the intro was interesting where I originally we just had one clip that was the intro music and 
I cut it into three distinct pieces because I wanted it to dynamically change depending on where the player was on the screen. Mm-hmm. So it got split into like the intro of the start screen music, a loop that we could continuously loop for as long as the player decided to stay on the screen for whatever reason. And then the outro, as soon as they hit a key point as when they hit this collider, the loop faded out and then the outro faded in. And then that played for a set amount of time and then it switched screens. As long as the player then hit a second collider, which was entering the cave. Right. The only problem with that is that Unity does not have a good solution for like multiple track mixing. At least none that I've used so far. Like it has an audio mixer built in, but I haven't messed with that at all. But there is... Because everything is built around these different audio sources, which is its own object. Right, because there's spatial sound in Unity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... A single game object is only supposed to have, from what I've read, is only supposed to have a single audio source. And the entire game can only have one audio listener, and it's usually attached to the camera. Mm-hmm. So when I created the second camera for the start screen, I had to delete its audio source. So What happens when it has two? It just doesn't run. The whole game? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it just won't let you run. It's the same thing when there's a there's a uh, error in the code. So if you were to make a split-screen Unity game... There would only be one audio source. I have no idea. I don't know how you do like the spatial audio in like a shooter or something. Maybe like pipes it out differently, or I don't know. Or you make a split screen that runs two instances and one time. Or there's like a an overall audio listener that's right. like listening to everything, and it throws it depending on the screen. And it mixes it differently. Yeah. Hmm. But so I had to learn how to attach multiple audio sources to a single object um, and then basically vary it. Oh, and the best part is if something has multiple audio sources attached to it and you play any one of those clips, there's an audible pop or hitch at the beginning of it. So I would play the intro to the clip and you'd hear the small pop and then would do the violin fade-in thing. What's the pop from? It's artificially created. Weird. It's not in the actual wave or MP3. So what I'd have to do was, so there are all these controls, and I can show them to you, but there's a control for, there's a switch. If you want it to be looped, you hit the switch. And you can also do it in the code. So you, mm-hmm. can, you can alter all these things on the fly, depending on how you need them. But there's like a volume control. There's a pitch control. There's um, something that's basically like um, priority. Mm-hmm. So if you have multiple things playing, you can set their different priorities, so they'll play over one another depending on the priority. Um, there's a check. There's a switch for looping. There's a switch for muting. There's a switch, you know, for basic stuff like that. So what I did was, when I created all the audio sources, because I created them all in code, and then I attached the appropriate music I wanted attached to them. Mm-hmm. And then I would tell, before the game even started, I would tell the um, game object that held all of these audio sources to mute them all. And then when I needed one play, I would let it play for half a second, like half a second, and then I would unmute it, and then so it would skip the pop. Weird. Yeah. It's kind of hmm. So I don't know what's causing that. I I haven't really looked into it much, but I just know that other people are dealing with that same issue. Really? Yeah. Weird. Well, so we have a a loop de loop. Um, 
the credits roll, and then we, we go into the actual game itself. Um, and then... I think that the other cool thing is that, that those credit sequence, as dumb as it is, it's a way for us to put Ward in as many places as possible. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Um, since, you know, nightlife is such a uh, one-and-done kind of experience, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so the more mileage we can get out of it without sacrificing any of its, you know, remote integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of nightlife, and that's kind of where we are on it, I'd say. Got some... It's closer than it is far, I hope, I think. No, I think so, too. I think actually getting it done by Lumdari is probably achievable. Um, you want to talk about Lumdari at all? I have that in the show notes. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, what do you want to talk about Lumdari? I don't know. I mean, let me see. So, it's still in the submission stage, right? So, mm-hmm. so for people who don't know how Lumdari works, it's basically a game jam. It's a two-day game jam. Mm-hmm. More 2.25 because you start on Friday night and then it's due Sunday night. Sunday night. And we do it through RVA Game Jams, which is a convenient game hobbyist development community in Richmond. Yeah. And they set up a place at a co-working space in Richmond, not far from us. And then we just go in and work with a bunch of other people that are working, so they're very little. Which are very intelligent people. Yeah. And there are very few distractions. And just basically crank it out, and then there's a presentation at the end. A showcase. Yeah, and it's cool. It's very fun. But how the actual game jam works is that um, a couple weeks before the actual jam starts, there is they open up submissions. So everyone just, they just have a, a uh, Google form. But you can type whatever you want into. Mm-hmm. And then a week or so before the actual event starts, they have what's called the Ludum Dare Slaughter, where basically they took everyone's submissions and they put them on. What was that thing Mark Zuckerberg created when he was in college? That like face where it's like you click on like hot or not. It was a hot or not. The hot or not. And it's basically that. So there's like three selections. So it'll just throw you a theme. It's just, and the theme's just any, it's just any word. It could be any phrase. Mm-hmm. Or it can just be a single word. It'd be like any attribute. The first one it was the Unix snowman, or the yeah that? yeah there was one yeah he got pretty far where the snowman almost made it to the top. Um, but so and then they put that out and there's three selections. It's either like a yes, a no, or a slaughter. And the slaughter is just like you absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. And then they tally all the votes on that, and then they have several voting rounds where the t- at first the top. 20 or 25 options are shown and everyone that has an account on Lumdari and right now it's just a WordPress site mm-hmm. and he's currently updating the site to this whole new thing. Everyone votes and again there are three types of votes so you can give it a, po- a plus one, a zero, or a minus one. So a zero means you're neutral on it and it doesn't get any points. Plus one obviously gets one point and negative one you subtract a point. So, you know, if 50 people put plus one, 50 people put negative uh, one, then there's that, that thing gets a score of zero. So it's whoever gets the highest point value, not the highest number of votes. Right. And then they do that for like four or five rounds. 
and then they don't let you know who actually wins until the actual jam starts. So you're still kind of blind as to what you're going to be working on. Yeah, they don't really give you a lot of heads up. Yeah, because there's still like 10. It's purposely made that way. Yeah. They want you to do most of the creation in the whole weekend of it. Well, I just think it's interesting because I think last time, I think I sat down with whatever, like the top 10 that were yeah, left. Yeah, some like prescribed ideas. Yeah, I just brainstormed a bunch. I don't know if they helped me or not, but it was an interesting exercise to do. We could do that on the podcast. We could. Um, and then we, we kind of go through the weekend and make stuff and, and then you present it and usually I show ours and I'm like, hmm, and I look at Will's and I'm like, oh, yeah, but you know, I like it. It's got some, some friendly competition, but I think one thing that'd be interesting is kind of like, I think we went to the global game gym last time with like a distinct goal of having something more succinct to show. I don't think we met that goal. No, we didn't. But we were definitely closer to that. So what would you want to see come out of this one? I want to see... I want to see something like what nightlife is at in its final form, but much smaller, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, by... And I think our very first Lunandare, we did a really good job, especially about, like, getting the ideas out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think we suffered from some scope creep during the weekend, but I think it should be set up like this. I think Friday we should go in and by, you know, the end of Friday, cause they shut the place down at like 2 AM and then you go back in, uh, 11 AM. So I think by the end of Friday night set Saturday morning, we should have agreed on what the game should be and all the gameplay aspects in terms of on paper. Mm-hmm. Just, and no scope creep. Just we have to cement. That's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, it should be all programmer art. The game should be done by end of day Saturday. Like, but, code-wise. Right. I, I agree with that. But the only issue with that is, is that if we have you and I working on it, um, are we both going to be building it? If you want. No, but I mean, like, like, or is there a, a way that we can start dividing, having some asset creation happen well, I think, in conjunction with the game being made? Not imported into the game necessarily, but just... Well... Because you want to spend Sunday doing polish. Yes. I get that. I'm, I'm always okay with you doing music. I'm aware. I think I think you're pretty good at it. Um, I think you're gonna have to try to either decide, you know, where. I mean, I can make all the music in the world, but either way, it's still gonna, that's still a lot on you. Yeah. No, I get. I, I understand what you're saying. So you either gotta relinquish some control on that stuff, yeah. or be comfortable with. Um, and not being fully done. Yeah, because I don't think it's possible. I think I'm okay with relinquishing control. And I know I've had issues with that in the past. And I think as long... And I think it's easier... Like, peak was easier for us because there are no expectations. I think peak was a little different. I think we did a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you did most of the design work on that one. 
in terms of assets. Right. I guess it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we could clarify, like, what part of the assets we do. So, like, I could do environments, you could do characters, or vice versa. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's more, like, figuring out, like, you know, because I think mm, it's finding a happy balance of like the uh, finding where either where battles are worth fighting and where they aren't. Yeah. Um, which is always gonna happen. Um, and I don't think that like you know I don't I don't mind getting I don't ever mind getting feedback. Um, sometimes I get defensive, but um, I think there's productive conversations we can do up front and we're gonna set the tone. And that's something we do with Pete that was really good is we kind of set up, we had those mood boards, you know? Yeah. And a tone, we set a tone up. So we need to do that this time. Yeah. I think that'll go a long way, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we didn't do that for La Portage. And Nightlife, I feel like I kind of got the tone out the gate. I think Nightlife was good because we wanted to be less invested in the project. Like, not in a bad way, but like we wanted. Well, I think that's how you have to do I think that's how we have to approach every, I think every every creative thing you make yeah. is is just... It has to be disposable yeah. to you. It's not your baby until it's until out the done. door. Right, yeah. And I think that every good idea you've ever had, um, it's only good if it comes out good. You know what I mean? Because in your head, it's nothing. Right. And what you see, you know, there are things that... I've, I think that in, instead of figuring out how we disagree, I think that if we just do more agreeing up front, it'll solve that issue down the line. Because yeah. I, I don't think we had that problem with Peak and... I think it's because we had, we had a different tone, um, colors in mind. I mean, Peak almost had a, a, its own identity before it existed. Mm-hmm. So then that's how we that's what we do for Lundar. That's a good we're making we're, we're being productive. <laughs> um, but I think that would actually probably solve it. And, and then, then whatever project this is, if we decide to, or you know, we throw it on the site and we decide if later on if we want to come back to it, then we can have bigger discussions around it. Yeah, well, but I, th- I think more so that, like, I think we've gotten better at handing stuff back and forth. Um, well, it was interesting because, you know, Wendy asked me this yesterday or the day before. She's like, so what's Mason doing? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, well, what's he doing for nightlife? I'm like, well, he's doing music. And he's, she's like, yeah, and? And she kind of, and no, but the way she framed it was on me. Like, why aren't you letting him do more? And I, you know, didn't have a good answer for her. Um, and, it, and it brought me back to the, you know, conversations we had with La Partage and when we got frustrated with one another. And mm-hmm. I don't want to do that again to you. And that's why I'm always like, you know. Well, and I mean, I, I, the thing, that it got weird with La Partage because I felt like there was a time where the... It was, it, was, it was brought that the workflow was in balance or the workload was in balance. Um... And then that's where it got a little iffy, where where do you step in, where do you step out um, when the product is in one hand or the other? And it's, it's, I think we've gotten better at balancing that spinning plate game. But, I mean, you know, I, um, I think for nightlife, 
a lot of it is kind of what one. Hmm. Now it's tricky because I don't know. Because I don't think I don't know I'm what do- you want out of me for nightlife besides well, what I've been doing. I mean, that's not fine. Right. Like for nightlife, I don't think I'm doing any less work than I was doing for La Partage in terms of like what I have my hands in, mm-hmm. but. Just like in La Partage, they didn't frustrated me. What frustrated me was like when we didn't see eye to eye in the design stuff when I felt like I already picked something, but I kind right. of didn't already, I didn't clear it with you. Right. And, you know, that's mostly my fault. No, no, no. I mean, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's not setting up almost all problems in my mind of any project, like creative or develop, anything oriented, you know. If you do the upfront due diligence and communicate expectations and goals ahead of time, everyone's on the same page. And everyone's going to be in any creative, like what, you know, in a, in a movie, you know, the director gets a lot of credit, but also there's all the work that the set designers did. There's all the work that the costume designers did. It all added up to this one thing. You know what I mean? So I'm never concerned about the that aspect of it, you know, but I am concerned more about relative input versus how we feel about what we invested into a project and if we're investing into it together or if you're supporting me or if I'm supporting you. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I can see that being an issue. I don't see it. It's not an issue now. It's not an issue for me. It's not for me. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, that's good. Um, Because I have all this free time and I mean, you've been super busy. Well, but it's it, it, that's an ongoing thing that you and I have. So I think that it's it's finding the balance where we both feel like we're equally invested in a project. Because the last thing I would want to happen is have the guy that left EA very successfully, and then he's like, "Well, that guy's just kind of dead." And the guy that had his vision of EA, he's very bright, that had nothing but. He, he thought the other guy was just riding his coattails. You know what I'm talking about? You're talking about Trip Hawkins versus right. the, um, the guy co-founded it with him. Right, and I think that just that, that happens when when you don't... A, when people don't feel like they're both inputting enough into a thing. Because creative ownership is really hard. Yes. Um, and everyone, everyone wants to feel like... Genius. Yeah, but they're also executing on their idea. Um... But I don't. I don't think. I think I. I mind less executing other people's ideas. I mean, I like was a concept that you came up with. Um. I don't really have any problem executing ideas. It's just, I like executing them the right way. Well, what I really appreciated was before we turned the mics on, is I showed you what I, I had done so far, and you turned it on. You started messing with it, and obviously you found the bugs that. I'm I'm keenly aware about, but also, um, you said, well, why does it do this? Why Mm -hmm. is it, you know, why, why are you presenting it in this way? And that's why, you know, the credits conversation came up, but you also are asking things like, well, is this getting the message across in the way you want it to? Like, is this getting like the thing with the boss? Like this boss doesn't seem, this doesn't seem like the final boss is because like, there's nothing ferocious or like the way you present he just kind of walks on to static screen, like, shouldn't something else be going on is what you're communicating to me, to because you want, ultimately, the package to be well, I think there's the an, best it can be. There's an experience that, I think in order to hit the tones of this weird post, 
uh, event depression, which is kind of what we're hitting on, we have to have this climax feel to climax because you got you can't bottom out without being having some sense of achievement. Uh-huh. And because there's no gameplay sense of achievement because it's a one hit kill, we have to kind of spin it up and then have that be kind of an elbow like, okay, it's kind of funny. Uh-huh. So, um, but I still feel like that still speaks to the ultimate vision that that, that that you and I have for the game, which is why I feel like it's usually productive. It's not hope. Right. No, what, what, what I was trying to say with that, my point was that that kind of editing that you were doing and that kind of, you know, feedback is much appreciated because you'll, you know, yeah. so you hand stuff to so many people and you say, what do you think? And they say, oh, it's cool. It's cute. I like it. But I mean, we, that's, that's not what you want to hear. We both have worked at creative companies where like the best kind of feedback is the feedback that is actionable feedback. Yes. Because the worst kind of feedback is like, well, this is just weird or I don't like it. Or let's find another route. Um, Do you get that last one a lot? Let's find another route. Mm, You get like, is this on message? Is this with the brand? This is too clean. I get that one a lot. Too clean. No, well, you work with a bunch of people that do print layouts all day that when you design something that's supposed to look really good on a phone, they're like, well, where's all the background images? And I'm like, well, (laughs) let's talk about usability. Let me tell you. Oh. That test, that site I tested, um, had a background image at one point. It still does. It has pebble stones. Oh yeah, that's right. That's on the that's on the mobile version. Oh, I saw it on mobile. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember. It was like, was this on mobile that I saw these pebble stones, or was it on the desktop version? Because it didn't look. I like the design of it. The pebble stones I, I was yeah. not crazy about, yeah. but I just don't like anything that has competing lines. You're talking about the outer border versus the squares, the date squares? No, 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 no. That's fine. Everything's fine within the actual physical stuff, but pebble stones naturally have lines. Oh, And okay. those lines compete with the lines on the page. Yeah. Um, and if it was to do something interesting, like draw your eyes somewhere, that'd be cool, but... Nope. It wasn't. Yeah. So was, Look at this Google Maps widget. No, it's still, it's like, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about it, so I mean, it's effective. Um, I had nothing to do with this development. Well, Whatever. <laughs> You still, you're still touched a winner in my book. Um, I think that also the past year, you know, I mean, we, the most that you and I disagreed on something was La Portage, and that was probably a year ago, right? It was last summer. No, it was, it was last December. It was the December Lundari. Because the August one was our first one, and then we did the December one. We just worked on La Partage instead of actually doing the theme. That's and right. In January, we did the Globe Game Jam. And then. April. So, in December, I had been in my company now for about a little over five months. And I think that when. Right around then is when I was starting to learn uh, how to develop a thicker skin. Because I think that in advertising, Everyone tells you what they don't like constantly. Um, so I think I, had to, I think that was also an issue of just being constantly on edge because you're just not used to working in that environment. Mm-hmm. And then like when you're finally doing something that you want to do, that you're still getting that kind of feedback. Um, and it wasn't you; it was more just being in that headspace and not knowing how to handle it appropriately. And I feel like now, I mean, I'm much, 
I don't stress out about work as much. <laughs> like, it's not as bad. Yeah, you were not in a great place. Ooh, God. Last winter was fucking awful. But I've gotten, I mean, I've gotten used to balancing projects, moving into web development and out of print helped a lot from doing something that I like, even when I'm you know, really busy. Um, and then just learning how to communicate and being constantly productive because ultimately the, the big fat morphous blob has to keep rolling. It does. That's like the big thing. That's like, I think, what are you talking about? Is that you in that? In that no, that's the project. The projects, oh, okay. projects are these big, I think, greasy squares that every time you, 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 you flip it over around the corners a little yeah. bit. Well, and it's just like you finally get it moving and then someone's trying to push back and you got to push harder because to get a creative project across the line, especially a team-based project, yeah. is so hard. Because what, it's just like a series of small arguments? It's a series of discussions and everyone has input because everyone deep, I think I genuinely do believe that everyone is creative and everyone does have relevant, and I think anyone's input's relevant. I think... Even the shittiest, dumbest people that are giant racist homophobes who I would not agree with on any other realm probably have some feedback that I can work with. Try to tell me something? No. <laughs> I'm not directed at you. Um, because at the, end, at the end of the day, we're making things for us that we think are cool, but other people have to experience you know what I mean? And I'm not saying you go the whole market research route and sand it down until everyone can kind of like it. But we have to make something that gets our narrative, our theme, whatever, across. Yeah. Right? Or we fail. We've just fundamentally failed. Right. Um, I think I care much more about that aspect of development as well. Um, which is a lot of just like Wait, which part? The, just the, the, the game design, like how the mechanics speak to yes. our highest vision yeah. of what the game is. Mm -hmm. um, so. But just what I saw when you were giving me your feedback, I was like, okay, this is well, I feel like, I feel like activated. I've never not felt like nightlife isn't a joint effort. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. What said. I just always felt like that you have a art direction on it, and I'm fine with that. Like, that's, I got no problem with that. I think you have a much better sense of what you want art direction in general. You know, I, I have no problem with that. And I also, I also understand like in a project when someone has an idea of what they want it to be, letting them execute that to a certain point and then, approaching, and then it. approaching it from their side, that goes a long way too because if I don't have any vision on it or if I, if it's I'm to a certain point and I haven't come up with one, then I'll let them run with it, and then then you jump in. That's how you be a good creative support. You know what I mean? Um, you see that working with writers a lot when you're an art director, or if you're working as a writer with an art director. You know, a lot of times they'll give you a sense of what they want the line to feel like, and then with that in mind, you kind of tell them what you're thinking it'll look like, and then one of you kind of runs with it, and then you come back, and then you make something cool out of it. Mm -hmm. That's how a lot of like, print layouts are done. Um, but then you crank the timelines way back, and you make it into a sweatshop of creative, and then you have me in the last December. Um, Just got burned through these interns. I think, I think, uh, you know, 
it's kind of low. I I think this will probably. I think that the mood board thing will also go a long way. Just definitely. Um, it's a good practice for you and I to do. Because I think we both care about just the icky feely part of it. You know what I mean? The part that like your immediate reaction, which I think, which is why I'm, I'm drawn to stuff like, like you're drawn to very like that immediate appeal of like what you're seeing, and I'm drawn to it like how it, it, like the most interesting part, like Mad Max, right? Okay. Okay. You're looking at it from this very specific lens, right? Which is why you enjoy it or don't enjoy it the way that you did. Whereas I'm looking at it at a different angle, right? And I think um, what Mad Max did that I really liked is it everything just they were they were shooting it interestingly, and I always knew what was going on, and I was always engaged. But I, I don't give a shit about the Mad Max storyline, like, and I'm okay with that experience because when I see the frame rate increase and then the guitar guy swings around the thing, my heart rate increases, and I'm like, this is dope. But what disappointed me was so that first trailer that they released where it starts with a Morton Joe mm-hmm. doing his little speech that he does at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. and like the way they framed it well the way they edited that audio it's like booming and it's echoing and it like hits you and like you know like you know it's, it's a kind of like speech the way it's said that like chills your spine and does things like that and I was like oh shit okay they're like setting this guy up to be this crazy depraved human being and like some of that comes across but there was no real good versus evil like they gave they gave you they gave you cuts they gave you tidbits of like why you shouldn't like this guy I mean you know he's kind of treating these these women he, as like I would say he's just evil for the sake of being evil though right like there's no like the the most engaging thing about him is how, how he won't hurt these women he just wants them back like that's interesting like he like he almost kills himself to save him to save him and that's interesting and just the part where like the the booming echo and all that stuff was just that like he just felt godly but that never came across in in the movie he always felt kind of weak yeah because he's dying or whatever he has wrong with him you know he has that breathing apparatus i like to never spell all that out though that's fine like i don't need to be spoon-fed everything but I did like the Mad Max, so that not everything clicked. In his character, you mean? Well, in anyone's character. Oh, absolutely. The the, the most developed character is um, Furiosa, yeah. and even then, you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. She. It's like the part where she like collapses in the sand, and she finds out that like it's like. But that felt kind of earned. Yes, but it was very presented it's like okay this now this is the part where she feels sad like and this is the revelation and then this is the change like right it was just it was going through a lot of common patterns i did like the characterization of max though oh i love that tom hardy did take an established character a pretty well established pop culture character yeah and he made it his own while still maintaining the max part you know just the fact that he was mostly mute most yeah, of, most or everything he says just mumbled. And, just, uh, right. My name is Max. Oh come on, man! Max, no, that was oh, good, dude. No, I, I I love that movie. I'm actually back on board now. Everything about it was great, except for the except okay. for the CGI steering wheel that 
gets thrown at your face at the end. That was fucking stupid. I was like, really? You couldn't use practical effects? This looks yeah. so fake. There's a ton of CG in that movie. You watch that clip that was going around? Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Or it's just like trucks driving through sand and they put they build the canyon. Showing the filters and stuff. Yeah. I think it's that's a good thing to go around because I think CG creates bigger experiences that people don't realize. Right. And CG's getting to the point where like people really... Rocket Raccoon? Awesome. Like he's a CG character that you genuinely like... He still looks a little like the Uncanny Valley is definitely there, you know? It's a lot less there in Groot, but that's because he's less humanoid. But even with, I mean, like... It used, when you used to have a CG character on scene with, like, like Star Wars... Like a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic, just, well, like, and they dancing pitch, in the corner. But it's the stuff they're doing now with eyes and eyebrows that just blows me away. Where, like, Rocket Raccoon grimaces when he, you know... What does he do? He hurts himself at one point. Or when he's or he, like, pulls on his face. Right! And they're, you know... When he's, like, frustrated. Yeah. And that's a, like, that's a good scene. And, like, like it it sells. Like, it reads. Like, you can make a connection. Now, I'm sure in ten years, I'll look at Rocket Raccoon and be like, what the fuck? Looks like shit, you know? But... We've remastered Guardians of the Galaxy the way you want to remember it. Awesome. Everyone has walkie-talkies. But I think the things, also, that I look for in movies is... I really care about pacing. Because I think my attention span is so sporadic for me to focus through something. All, like if something keep me engaged for two and a half hours the way the Interstellar did, it's got great pacing. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll sacrifice my... I'll do some leaps of logic if the pace... I would rather sacrifice some exposition for pacing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that's something you would want to do. But I'm saying, like, if we can keep it moving and keep it that momentum. Because I think momentum is such a... Especially in in games, good games that have good momentum, it's so hard because you can die in a lot of games, you know? That's one cool thing about Nightlife is there is... The momentum is directly affected by the player. Um, I also think there's value in slowing that momentum. No, I was going to get to so in nightlife, you kill the boss, and there's—I mean, I don't say nightlife is a downward curve of momentum, because you're moving through the story, you get to the boss, there's stuff happening, stuff happening, and all of a sudden you go home, and you can't do—you can only do the same three tasks over three days. It's a purposeful slowing of momentum, a to get our—I uh, don't know—weird commentary on mental health out, but and that, which I think is also super cool. I think that we came up with a thing that is talking about an issue in a way that's different. And people might not see it that way. And but I think we have to get that point across. And I think that's that kind of stuff you get across with animation. You know, his animations and his his, his stuff is really important. Uh, art design, you know, just having him in the robe. Um and I think, sound. I'm thinking you know? giving him like the the bender uh Yes, dude. Yes. Where he's like, where he's See, that's so smart. I would have never thought to do that. Like, but we have to get that. And I'm not saying momentum has to be a fast or slow thing. There just has to be a sense of going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Because the worst thing is in Call of Duty or someone who's dying, 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 and you know you're like you're like all gung ho and you're going, and then you die ten times and you're just pissed. Not that you can compare like a important story or something, not. But Bioshock Infinite would drive me crazy. 
because I'm like on board. Yeah. And I like challenging games. Like I want to play something that's hard. But Bioshock Infinite isn't really built for the challenge. Like they had that DLC that was just like yeah. the horde. I thought the combat was interesting. I think Bioshock One had more interesting combat. It's interesting, but I don't think it was built for like yeah hard um, engagement. The it was interesting for its scope, like especially when you started using the sky rail. Yeah, I think the sky rail is always really underdeveloped, though. Or I, I, not underdeveloped. I think it was really cool. But you couldn't do much with it. So I on or off. Wanted the sky rail to be like you walk into the Batman Arkham Asylum Predator rooms, and the sky rail would be how you get around, and there'd be these essentially combat these arenas set up that you would. There would be high points. There would be low points. I mean, but that's what it did. There was a couple. So the first time you meet the the big round guys, they have the cancer in their stomachs. The um, big arm guys. Oh, the uh, handyman. Man. Yeah. The first time you meet one there, that big, and there's like several big floating platform, platforms. And there's three levels. Um, and there's two high points that are on either wing of it. Okay. That's a really good execution of that idea. Um, in my, you know, I think that that was probably the strongest. There's the final boss with the the bird guy. What's his name? Songbird. The Songbird. That's another space where you have a lot of space, but I thought that whole mechanic was dumb. Recall the, the tower defense. I don't fucking know. I was just like, this is this is not this is not what I wanted to do. Um, it's what well, it's weird that they chose. They probably felt to Ken Levine's storytelling because he just put it on the airship for whatever reason, and it would have made more sense if it was some sort of corridor, like you were pushing forward. Right, but, but since it's staggered, like purposely staggered, like you can only move, you can only progress as the airship progresses. You're limited in your own. But that's just another. That's just a. a, a you take a quarter experience, you blow it out, but you're still limited. To, you're beholden to other mechanics, though, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying yeah. you're limited to the progression of, of the inanimate yeah. object. Um. One and one thing I didn't understand is that like the song. What's well, cool? I feel like the songbird was way closer when he was up in your face because he was way more of a threat. Just in terms of, like, speaking of screen real estate, he was cooler when he would jump on the windows. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, his gravity on screen was only effective when he was close to you. Because far away, everything's the same in Bioshock. It's all big and floating. And far away from the players, it's another big floating thing. But, back to the villain thing. What's your favorite villain? Ever? The, the villain, we're talking about Joe. No, yeah, no, I know where the connection is. What's my favorite villain? So I think villains are, I think that's something that you and I can really agree on, is like, really, really good stories have awesome villains. I don't know, who's your favorite villain? Or antagonist, excuse me. What? Uh, my favorite villain. Syndrome. That's, that's actually pretty Syndrome's good a really good one. I think Syndrome is really good because they make him understandable, but also clearly a bad guy. Because in a Pixar and a kid movie, you got to have that, that kind of harsher dichotomy. But I thought it was interesting that they brought in... Because he's, he's crazy. He's willing to kill kids. Like, he's nuts. Like, they're yeah. shooting at them with guns, which is a big issue. Have you heard about, like, the making of that movie? Oh, that was How, like, funny. That, it was the first Pixar movie with guns. Okay. Um, and my soldiers in Toy Story had guns. Well, but firing guns. Yeah. Which was a big deal. It was like, they, they almost took them out or something. I don't know. There's something. Walking Thomas. And, um, but Syndrome, I always think of him because I think that was the first time I thought hard about 
what making a villain was. Like, who thought through, like, the syndrome? He has his own arc. You know what I mean? It's a very prevalent arc in that story. I just love the Incredibles. It's the best movie ever. A lot of people say that. And it's really good. I don't disagree with them. I don't know if it's my favorite movie, but I agree. It's up there, and I would like them to never touch it. They're gonna. Everything you love is gonna be ruined. That's fine. I don't care at this point. My favorite villain. Or if you, one you would put in your top five. I'm thinking. Did you finish Breaking Bad? Did you watch it? I didn't finish it. How far did you get? I'm on like the second to last episode. Really? Yeah. Okay. My favorite villain is probably the neo Nazis in there. That's not my favorite, but that, that's neo-Nazis. up there. Neo Nazis? There neo Nazis in it? Yeah. The guys that um that kill Hank. Oh. Okay. Because I also thought the guy that owned Polio Loco was actually a really cool villain. Yeah. But I'm not gonna ruin anything for those last two episodes for you, but I really like those villains. Okay. And how their arc finishes. Well, what's another one then? I like Frank Costello from The Departed. Jack Nicholson's character. He's just awesome. He is, but like I don't have any emotional attachment to what happened to that character. Like I did to... Alright, what about Matt Damon in that movie? I had more for what Matt Damon did in Interstellar than in The Departed. Also because I was younger when The Departed came out, so like really? I kind of just watched it. Uh, but Interstellar, I had, like, there were stakes with what Matt Damon did. But Matt Damon is just how? No, I know, but that doesn't mean there aren't stakes. And just because he is, like, he's taking on the role of this other character from another movie doesn't mean he's going to, his arc isn't, is going to finish the same way this other character's arc did. Oh, I thought, I thought Matt, I love Interstellar. I thought Matt Damon was. Because he's so delusional. And it's so sad. Right, and I think that his delivery of that character was really important because you were sympathetic as much as you were angry, you know what I mean? Because you're like, this guy's fucked. But then you're like, well, yeah, I'd probably be fucked too. Yeah, if I was stranded out there for however long he was there. No, that's a good decade or something. What about video game villain? Bowser, um, um... Bowser's a good one. Warts. We're gonna go with a Mario character. No, pick an actual one. Uh, uh, well, I like the tiny Napoleon in Resident Evil 4. Oh, I thought you were thinking. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Napoleon and Psychonauts. Oh, he's cool too. Best villain ever. The. Hmm. Ooh, the government in Red Dead Redemption. That was actually really cool. But I've never played Red Redemption, so I, I can't uh, relate. Like, I understand, like, what they do, ultimately, in that game, but... Yeah, but the cool thing is is that there are these two agents that represent, essentially, the government's interest, but the, the overall just collapsing of the Wild West is the enemy, um, and just the end of an era and the end of a lifestyle, which I thought was really cool, and, and the, thematically. And the government plays in that? Well, the government is ending... The government's 
being like, you can't just go around killing people. This, that's stupid. We're building trains and we're bringing industry here. Stop. Stop it. Yeah. So they're basically civilizing the West. Right. And it's it's really cool that a concept like not killing people and being civilized. And they do it with more tact than that. You right. Know? It's the government brings bloat and it brings a kind of person that doesn't belong. And these people have established a way of life. But for, you know... A rock, uh, not, not a rock star game, but just for a open world shooting game to, to kind of touch on themes like that, that was pretty interesting. Um, I think that the, the Arkham series has done a really good job of making the Joker just insane and terrifying. If you want to go to the other end of the spectrum where you don't have sympathetic villain at all and he's just the you know characterization of evil. I think mine... This is this isn't the best villain, and this isn't you know in terms of an antagonist. Oh, which Pokemon Diamond? Gary. No, not Gary. Gary isn't in Pokemon Diamond. I don't remember. In Diamond, uh, one of the gym leaders is Crasher Wake. <laughs> he uses, I think, water and ice types. Okay. That was the hardest goddamn Pokemon fight I've ever done, and it wasn't even hard in the sense that like, oh, I kept losing. Okay. And, you know, kept passing out and then, you know, had to keep fighting him over and over. I fought him once. But I won on the narrowest margin. And I was so pissed the entire fight because he just kept taking me out. And it was just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then after I beat him, he said something to the effect of, Now, I know we had a hard fight, blah, 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 blah. But, like, you know, remember... This is all about fun. Like, he, he's, you know, he's a very big, brutish guy, but he's, like, very, he's, like, you know, happy Santa Claus. And he, you know, has this spiel at the end. It's like, you know, don't take it so seriously, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's kind of like, what the, like, there's no way that could have ended any better than it did. Are you sure you're not just identifying, like, him and your dad? No. Well, <laughs> this guy's a lot paler than my dad. That's true. Well, so is everyone. Yeah. Um, the sun is paler than my dad. That's really cool, though. Yeah, that was. That your entire relationship with that character, the fact that you remember it, is based purely on what no happened? one has the same experience. Yeah. Which is kind of like what we want to emulate because I think, imagine if that character, imagine if you had stakes before that fight with that character and then you had that fight. That would be the kind of thing that you would, I mean, you already don't forget it, but like that would, people don't know. I don't know, I don't know what you do with that. Like, um,. In Fable 2. You play Fable 2? I didn't beat it, but yeah. Okay, Paul, I'm going to tell you what happens. Okay. So they, you fall, they make you get close to this dog. The whole game, you have this dog. And in the end, of course, they, they make you choose between killing the dog, saving the world, and having lots of money. One's clearly evil. But one's like, you save your dog, or you save the world. And it was like hard, you know, because the game... And those are the achievements, the needs of the one, the needs of the few, and the needs of the many. Right. And, um... It was a pretty heavy-handed way to do it because you're standing there and it's a guy on a platform and you tell him to point the gun at, like... But, um... I thought it was cool because they made you fall... You got so used to this presence of this dog. And it was dumb. The dog didn't do much. It kind of helped you in combat and you could dig up stuff. Yeah, you'd find your treasure. But it was just this constant presence that changed with you. It's kind of like the, the, the training game. You know, the, you, you develop a relationship with an inanimate object, which I think is interesting, too. Um, 
And then you had to choose between your relationship with things not real or your relationship with a bunch of things that aren't real, you know, but we still care because it's human nature to constantly empathize, especially as you get older. Um, Cause you leave that like egocentric stage of your life and you move into where you're constantly like, like interstellar. I couldn't handle him missing his daughter. Like why? Like I don't care. He's not real. Or like seeing all the clips like, having to sit down and, like, all right, here's your entire family's oh, life. Oh, God, that was just, that hit me so hard. Like, you know. Or even, like, looking at photos through, like, the past hundred years of, like, all the, like, there's a um, photo album showing history is very cyclical. And it's just showing war photos and just how human beings are constantly the same, regardless of time. And for some reason that, I think, as you get older, it hits you harder because you look at it in history books when you're younger and you're you're just it's all it doesn't matter it's not you it's distance right but i think that in gameplay you can remove that barrier regardless of it by forcing the player to develop a relationship um which is the reason you had that intense fight with the gym leader um is because you had this team that you fostered and you probably didn't feel close to them necessarily but you had this thing that you built up and he had this thing that he built up and your thing barely beat his thing which is just like racing rowing. All your hard work was slightly better than his, you know, hard work. Rocket League. Rocket League. <laughs> I was just thinking that too. It's like, all your hard work. No, in Rocket League, I think Rocket League digs into that. And I wonder how you can manifest that in a single player thing while having some bigger, you know. Well, this is just my opinion. But my opinion is that you don't use stats. Like, I like games that aren't built on numbers, but they're built on actual reflex and skill. And it doesn't even have to be, like, real-time oh. skill, but it could be the strategic skill. But whenever, like, you're... You play XCOM. Well, that's why I'm, I included the strategic skill part into there. Mm-hmm. But... So it, you, you have, there's a, a arbitrary progression, like the only and there's your, your actual player progression. Right. Like, the only reason, like, that, that match is, you know, embedded in me is because it subverted the idea of, I use my electric type against his water type, I will win 100% of the time. I have a 0% lose rate. And then subvert it, Mm -hmm. and then it all became about, okay, what, I need to, I need to think, I need to think through this, I need to figure this out. I have these tools, I have to put together a solution. Yes. Which is why I think I'm fundamentally drawn to roguelikes, because you learn by dying. Like, you keep playing over and over, and you keep getting slightly better because you learn new rules or you learn um, uh, just how things work. But those games also have... I think that what stats can provide are arbitrary empowerment that let you take the tools that you have and use them in new interesting ways um, or force you to play a new way, which is kind of like what types in a Pokemon game do. You know, you get this constant rock, paper, scissors battle because there's constant rock, paper, scissors going on. Um, but I wonder how you would... How do you do progression beyond just learning how to play a game? Like, do you need to do progression? How do you mean? Like in an RPG. Like, how do you do player progression? Like, how do you... That's not levels? Mm-hmm. Or stat... Or even... I mean, you could do levels, but like, I think like stat-based, like... Do you all like does one sword hit always hit the same way? 
regardless. Because you can do, I mean, you could say that gear kind of define like, in games, kind of like, I have better armor, I should be able to get hit more. Well, this is what they were talking about today, and I don't know if you saw much of that, the World of Warcraft announcement, but they got to a part where they were talking about, for their new expansion, they were redoing all the PvP stuff. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're going to have two skill trees. You're going to have your PvE skill tree for... Your PvP skill tree. And you have a PvP skill tree. And so basically, when you enter a PvP arena or battleground or whatever, you'll have separate talents. You'll, they'll pull out all your PvE-focused talents, and they'll slot in all the PvP-focused talents in the same spots. So basically, That's your skills cool. change. Well, yeah, because like... They can make skills that are more... Right. And they're like a lot of their like PvP-focused developers were like, we have all these skills or like they had skills like the death knight had some sort of ability that was really useful in pvp but served no purpose in pve so they well, the rogue did too the rogue had the uh, slow fall ability where they could jump they could fall from higher distances they just had that too it's awesome oh yeah i, I had that as an engineer i had a parachute just pulled a parachute that's pretty cool yeah uh wow i'll play a while again the um you say that but then you get in you're like man i mean i want to i just don't have the I feel like if I want to play WoW again, I need at least thirty hours. A week. No, not a, a day. Week. I think it's pretty. It's pretty streamlined now. Yeah. But do I want to commit thirty hours when I still need to beat The Witcher? I need to beat Arkham Knight. But Metal Gear Solid Five comes out on September first, which well, means I'm done. Well, the issue with me is that like it was kind of like Minecraft at the point. It's like you turn it on, just like just feels like a job now. Like Minecraft never got that stuff. way for me. I kind of had it because like I built all this stuff. It was like all right, I have this. Laundry list of things I don't want to finish building. I'm like, I gotta get this. Gotta, gotta make that new floor. I gotta, gotta wax uh, the. I like. I think I was more interested in the survival aspect of Minecraft, where I was like, kind of building my presence and like I could build a farm. And I, I like the idea of like, starting from nothing, and now I got a cow in my yard, and I can grow wheat, and I have an irrigation system that I built. Um, I got that to a point where I was like, all right, I'm just gonna take all these. Minecart rails. I'm just gonna go that way. Yeah. Well, but, but at a certain point, you—it's like a microcosm of like the human existence. Like we spend so much long and then we develop farms. You know what I mean? And then we're like, well, shit. These zombies come out. It's like fuck. No, but I mean, I think that survival games have a lifespan. That it's only interesting until you—you're constantly trying to beat the threat of survival, and eventually you're gonna do it. Like. And once you do it, it's you know. Um, what were you saying before? I don't remember. Shit. Uh, you're talking about all these other games you have to beat. Like, Metal Gear oh. Solid comes out and you're done. Oh, fuck. When Metal Gear Solid 5 comes out, I love Metal Metal Gear Solid is the only game series. Like, growing up, I always wanted to be playing the game. Right? You know, I never... I don't like doing anything past... I don't I like not being involved in stuff. Like, I hated going to theater because I'm like, well, I want to be in the play. I hated watching sports because like, I want to play sports. I'm kind of like that with music. Wait, really? Do you play any music? I used to, I went, I took guitar lessons for a little while. Ah, I'm terrible at music. I know what I want things to sound like, which is why I can like resample stuff or like hit the keyboard thing. Um, uh, my point is, is like, I, I'm not the kind of person that would watch, I watched every single Metal Gear like 10 times because Ben used to play it, my stepbrother. Mm -hmm. And um, I would sit and watch him play him. So, I have this to say, I tried, why, so I do this sometimes where I, like, I'll hear enough about a game and I know I'm not going to have any reasonable way to play it, mm -hmm. so I will go look at the 
cinematics because someone will have never do that stitched the cinematics together on YouTube and it's like a two, three hour movie and I'll sit down and I'll watch it. I've done that with Halo 4. I did that with all the God of War games. Really? Yeah. I never Eric God does it too. I never... That's interesting because you're just like, I want to see... This I want to experience. I mean, I'll go. I'll read horror film Wikipedia entries because I want to watch them. I'll do that. Like I'll read plot synopses of mm-hmm. movies. But I tried doing that with MGS Four. MGS Four is not the one to do it. You need you need all the background for MGS4. By the time they got to was the character's name Johnny and he's shitting his pants. I'm like, the fuck this game is stupid. Fuck this game. No, you started with the wrong one. You did. And I know that's like the worst thing to hear, but you did start with the fourth one. Well, I think that, I think that, I think it's a bold You're move. saying they get worse? I don't know. No, no, no. They get they get different. Like, um so I had Twin Snakes for GameCube. I and love Twin Snakes. That, it's the recreation of the first one. The first one. With mechanics from the second one. And it has Raiden in it? And you no. play as Raiden? No, no. Medical oh, 2 you play as Raiden. Oh, it has Liquid Snake. Has, I'm remembering the cover, and the cover had solid and liquid on it. Didn't that's it? because that's that's the story of Megasol One. Right. Because they're twins. They're clones. They're from the but same do you play guy. as Liquid in the yeah. remake? Liquid's the, the bad guy. Um, who eventually goes on to the Revolver Ocelot's arm. Fucking goddamn it! <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, point is, was I've it, only... Listen, Philosopher's Legacy. This is it. Shut up! Just no, no more! in the wall of the White House. No, it's the... No, it's the computers. If you played in another song too, you would know. Oh, excuse me. My point is... Rising looks cool. Rising is cool. Because that take itself Rising is metal as fuck. Um, the... God damn it, Dylan. I'm finished. Okay. The... Okay. So I've, I've played them all. I've played them all myself, too. But I watched Ben beat Metal Gear Solid 2 at least 10 times. Because that's when we just... We first became siblings. Because um, it came out when we were in middle school. So we've been siblings for a little bit. My parents just got married. So early 2000s. Right. But it was in middle school when it came out. It blew my mind just how much you can interact with the world. Mm-hmm. Just everything. Like you could shoot. And Yoshi was in it. No, Yoshi was in Twin Snakes. Because it came on GameCube. Right. You could shoot Yoshi. It was a little toy Yoshi. It wasn't the like actual Yoshi. And it would go. <laughs> uh, the, uh, like the SNES? Yeah. Sound bite? Yeah. The, um, but, anyways, Metal Gear Solid 4 depends on your understanding of this batshit world. But I don't want to understand it because it's so insulting. But Metal Gear Solid, it's not though. Metal Gear Solid 1, okay. Is there love on the battlefield? Love is a battlefield. Yeah, exactly. It's so far up its own ass and it's so aware of it that it's, it's, it's good. And it's so, so, so pulling from like Escape from LA, Escape from New York. And it's just... I've never seen that movie, so... The main character's name is Snake Plissken. Which is the name character of... Where you saw it. Is that what influenced... His codename is Snake, and his his name is Plissken. It's Plissken something. Is that what influenced Metal Gear? The Nintendo game? Yeah, all of them. It's all one big... And Metal Gear's always done stuff. I like to... I love 3. 3 looks... Three is oh, fucking like, phenomenal. Vietnam era, like, like and Peace Walker. Oh my god! Which is why I'm really excited about five because five is all about that era. Like, it's late. It's 90s. not Gulf War. It's like five is Gulf like, War. No, because Gulf War was in Central America. This is in Afghanistan. Oh, and this is like Desert Storm. Then. Yeah. So anyway, the whole 
whatever Kojima did where he was like, you know what, we're going Peace Walker, this is the theme that we're digging into, and we're we're kind of taking a step back from the Metal Gear mythos, and then we're going full on this PNC thing where you're developing an army, which is really cool because it, it all of a sudden added that collectible element of you're collecting soldiers and they level up. Pokemon. Very much, yeah. Is that where Brotherhood, like, what is the progenitor of the Brotherhood assassin, like, thing? System? Yeah. In Assassin's Creed? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where yeah. you had your Assassin's Creed. I love that. But what, what, start, no, but what started, what game started that? That that whole concept? Yeah, because WoW has it now. Like, every game has that. I think it's it's a, it's a heavily thing influenced by, like, mobile or more passive games. Okay. Mobile, you, like, Tiny Tower. You, you like, do that. It. Okay. I think it's a cool, I think it's a cool system. I like it. Um, I never played much of Brotherhood, so. Uh, um, or at least I didn't engage with that system. And Brotherhood did it really well because you used them so much, and then other games, they became less of a thing you used. Um, or they just became like a separate mini game. Excuse me. Um, Alright, back to Metal Gear shit. No, I don't want Metal Gear anymore. My point is, is that Metal Gear's bleed style. Like, it just, the guy, also AHA's take on me is in Metal Gear Solid Five. Really? Yeah, it's on your MP3 player. Oh no no I've seen that yeah. like, you can collect uh-huh. cassette tapes and they have yeah. all these cla- yeah on board but it just the, the he is the only that team is doing stuff with a big budget that only they can get away with right now I that's, think that's the same thing with Final Fantasy like uh, I couldn't touch Final Fantasy but but I I don't I don't like Final Fantasy either but like I can uh, but in my head Final Fantasy and Metal Gear like those series that's like. If you sat me in front of Final Fantasy 1 or Metal Gear, I'm like, okay, I can understand that. The second you take a step away from that, like Final Fantasy 2. But Final Fantasy is more like an anthology series, and Metal Gear is an actual linear narrative. Sure. And there's an actual, I don't know, there's just enough crazy about Metal Gear that I'm like on board. Well, so my other point to this discussion was going to be that when I do just, like, watch the cutscenes or cinematics of oh, it, right, 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 right. I understand, I appreciate the story more, which is interesting. Like, as, ter- as soon as you turn into a passive experience, I, like, I, like, I rewatched, like, obviously I've played all the Halo games, except for Reach. You like the Halo story, though. And it, I don't, I'm not criticizing, I, I think, I think there's cool, I think the Fall of Reach storyline is actually really cool. I don't love it, but, it's pretty good side. I haven't played Reach and I haven't played 4, but I watched, like, the cinematics for those, and, the stuff they do with four, especially that, basically kind of rewrites. I've heard people like Master four Chief. single player storyline. They just like how it ends. Yeah. Well, yeah. everything outside of Master Chief and the things that interact with that Master Chief, I think, are stupid. Like, I think the whole Cortana rampancy thing is stupid really? because they don't. There's no. There's no rampancy. She doesn't go crazy. She's just there, and turn, then she's not off. there. Like, she sacrifices herself at the end of the game, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But she never goes crazy. They're always like, oh, she's going to go crazy. But it never happens. Her voice just got more modulated at one point. Like, there's literally what happens, like, a cutscene where she, like, freaks out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the Arbiter stuff was cool. And it's being persecuted by the aliens. Oh, yeah. I thought that was was actually cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's really cool in 4 is that... And all the alien politicking. Yeah. So I love Mass Effect. But what was really cool in 4 is that Spacism. there's a part, I forget what the villain's name is, he's some forerunner. So they bring the forerunners back in, like there's this forerunner that was kept in this prison for millennia and whatever, and then he wants to kill 
all humans because the humans were like their slave race before the Forerunners disappeared. It's basically the story, the progenitor story in Assassin's Creed, where right. it's like Adam and Eve were actually like the first humans that escaped and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And here, there's a really interesting scene where Master Chief basically, kind of like in 2, where he has his bomb, but it's like a, uh, just, you know, a terrible bomb. It's like only this big, it's like the size of a basketball that he he's going to use to blow up the villain's ship. And they do this really cool thing that they don't do in any other Halo games, where they actually use voice clips for Master Chief. So Master Chief's getting the shit kicked out of him in this, like, final fight. And, you know, the... God, I wish I remember the guy's name, but he's, like, just throwing him everywhere because he has, like, telekinetic powers or whatever. And Wait, is this four? This is four. Okay. He's beating the shit out of him. Mm. And since you were playing as Master Chief, like, because it'll switch out of, like, being a cutscene third person then back to first person, there's a part where he, like, crawls across the ground on, like, this, this you know, railway that's, like, in the middle of the ship, and he is, like, panting. You hear him panting as you're very Metroid Prime thing. Yeah, no, it's like very Call of Duty Four, like getting mm. involved, like, and he's just like, <sighs> and then he's like, ah, and just hits the button on the bomb, and then the cut, and then the, it cuts. Isn't that the whole premise of the new one where they're like hunting Master Chief? I don't, so I think there's like some story in between those two. So what happens after that cutscene is that Cortana teleports Master Chief out of it. But in doing so, she has to use up the rest of her, like, she has to leave her... She's out of battery. Her chip is back there. Oh, no. Her SD card was left on the ship. But up until that point is really You're telling me in the far future they don't have, like, redundancies in their AI programming? Uh, obviously not, because they can go rampant. But so, it's, so there's some really interesting things that they touch on there, is, like, the idea that Master Chief, you know... What he feels for Cortana, because they touched on that a lot in the other games. And they talk about, you know, him having to sacrifice himself and how he's basically halfway between being an actual person and just being a machine because he's been essentially brainwashed with that Spartan program that he's put through. Have you read that book, The Fall of Reach? Mm-hmm. Uh, my little brother read it when you told me what it's, they, they, it's cool. Yeah. Because the whole, the whole like, mythos of Halo is actually kind of dope. And they... But so there are scenes in Halo 4 where they, where, like, Cortana calls Master Chief a monster. Because, like, they witness this, basically slaughter this entire space station at the hands of the main villain. He just, like, flips a switch and then everyone's dead in this space station on his way to Earth. And he's like, okay, we gotta go. And she's like, everyone just died in here and you're not gonna do anything? You don't, you're not gonna, you know, pause at all? Like, What's wrong with you? And he's just kind of like, you. You see him kind of flinch at that. And in the spacesuit. Wait, you just see him like kind of like for as little emotion as they can convey with a man. No, I think it's interesting that that, that that was that effective to you too, because I think you're the most critical of that kind of thing. Right. Which means that someone did a really good job of that. Yeah. And then there's a scene at the end after you know he saves the day and whatever. Do you see his head? No. Well, this is this. So that's the post-credit scene. The pre-credit scene is, you know, he's back on like the main ship and he's talking to like the guy that's believed in him the whole time because there's kind of been like a politicking thing where like they find where his ship was left adrift in three, and the one there's an admiral that doesn't agree with his methods, and then there's his the admiral subordinate who is looks up to Master Chief and like agrees with him, and then they have a heart to heart at the end, and he's like talking, and then he's like. He says something, he's like, you know, I'm just, 
you know, I'm just a soldier, you know, I have to, you know, serve. And the other guy looks up to him and he's like, just because we're soldiers doesn't mean we're machines. Mm-hmm. And then he walks off and Master Chief just, just left standing there looking Did out into slouch? space. Well, so it's really, it's kind of poignant because he's just kind of standing there, you know, I think maybe he has an assault rifle in his hand, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I wish everyone could see you holding your assault rifle. But he like, he's just looking out in the, in the space because they're still on the ship. And it's like, oh. And then the inner monologue comes in and he's like, she called me a machine once. I'm like, no, no, John, oh, he doesn't John, monologue. John, don't do that. No, you didn't need that. Yeah, games do, I mean, you see that a lot of games and movies though, where like the scene would be way more, if they let the, the viewer or the user fill that gap. But I feel like a lot of time in like focus testing or market research, they like get it. Yeah, or some exec somewhere was like, ah, oh, why is he looking at the black? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's space. Uh. <laughs> so the post credits is really cool because they basically just march him into this facility where they're like decommissioning a suit or whatever. I've seen that clip. And that's cool. That is cool. Because he's just like, kind of like, whatever. Then, but he's just, hanging. Yeah. Which is also kind of a Christ emblem kind of thing going. Because yeah. he is supposed to be the savior figure, which I love anytime. I think that's a cool theme. So it. obviously there's a gap between that and five where he did something. I just like the Master Chief's going rogue. Yeah. I think that's cool. I like anytime that the good guys are I like that, that they have Nathan Fillion's character back in because I like that character. All the ODST characters are dope. Yeah. I love ODST. I like Halo 3. I've only beaten Halo 3. and No, I beat ODST because I haven't played through it. Um, when I was in the core, we only had sticks. Two sticks and a rock. And you had to share the rock. Wait, what is that? That's from Halo 2. Oh, I haven't seen... I've, so I've there's a part there. in Halo 2 where you come up on, like, the new Bombas or whatever the, the city is. No, that's in 3. That's but, 3. But I love that whole sequence in the beginning when you're in the jungle, though. Right. But no, in, in 2, there's a part where he comes across a bridge... And a pelican of oh, the black guy. Yeah, it's yeah, Sergeant Johnson, and the, Johnson. And, the, and the pelican swoops in, and this they drop the scorpion down, and then Sergeant Johnson comes up and he's like, "All right, she's gonna take this. Tank. He's gonna go across." And then he's pointing these marines. He says, "You're a follow him." He's like, and but one of the marines is freaking out, and he's like, "Are you hit marine?" He's like, "No, sir." It's like, "Listen up. When I was in the corps, we had sticks, two sticks and a rock, and we had to share the rock." Sergeant Johnson's the perfect cigar chop and command. He's a good. He's pretty fun. And the best part is that that clip changes on what difficulty you're, you're playing. No, yeah, that's pretty. So cool. they recorded four different versions of like him. See, I love that. that. Like that's the kind of thing that only exists for people that really love. Well, the Halo. thing is, they did that in every game. That's in Halo One too. So depending on what difficulty, you remember that? Well, I know at that the very beginning of Halo changed on difficulty. Well, in the very beginning of Halo One, before you land on the Halo, Sergeant Johnson's doing the speech to. Like a bunch of people in like the cargo. Bay. Right, I know that part. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That changes depending on what difficulty you're doing. Well, that's smart too because I think that you're like the span of your memory, right? Of a human being, like you remember shit. Time dilates when you're younger because you've only experienced so five years or so much. Well. I think the same thing happens. That has games. been going across a lot of things recently. I think everyone's really? reading the same article or something. I'm sure. So, but that concept, I think, applies to game, right? Like, I remember the big. Be- everyone remembers the beginning of GTA 4. Yes. I can tell you almost fucking word for word all the stupid shit that wasn't Roman, Roman says. says, right? Because the first time you play that, it's like, holy shit, this is nuts. Where's the mansion? Where's the... American titties? Where's the mountain with being American titties inside like a vacuum? You know, I mean, I can tell you My the Italian beginnings accent. of most games... Because it's the first time you're experiencing that new world. Just like 
when you go to a new, like, what's the city you've been to? That's not Richmond. Uh, San Antonio. Okay, when you first got, do you remember what it was like when you first got, like, I remember the first time I went to New York, I saw a guy throw up. And I was like, I'm in New York! <laughs> New York, baby! All I remember San Antonio is hot as hell. Um, dry heat seems way worse. Well, maybe than maze of anything. I'm thinking more like the first time I experienced yeah. a new thing. Like, no. No, like the same time. It's weird though. First, I can't tell you the first time I was in a boat. I do. I can. See. So maybe uh, I was just aside. But say what you're going to do. The first time you. Well, the first time I was in New York, I remember because we took the train in and we came out Penn Station. And it was night. That's pretty cool. And it was two days after Christmas. And it was freezing fucking cold. And I'd never been colder in my life. New York's cold. Because I was walking around and my face was so numb it hurt. Mm-hmm. And then we would walk into like, we like, we like walked into this deli. Mm-hmm. And my, I could feel my face thaw out. And it hurts when it thaws too. It wasn't great. So I think that, that they realized that as designers and acted on it. You know what I mean? Because in the beginning of a game, you're hyper. I guess the other parts. I wonder if it changes in the beginning of every game, but you're so aware of what's going on because it's the first time. I like that kind of like level of design where you're, you're you're playing off of the that relationship between the game and their player and how it changes. Because I mean, if you ask me to tell you about a middle mission in any Call of Duty game, I don't know. with the guns and the sand, yeah, exactly. and the nuke, or even Halo. Like there's a few missions I remember, but I definitely remember the first mission of Halo Three, and I remember when I was going to the big noodle or whatever. What the, like you have oh. a sword and it's all fleshy. Oh, the uh, I hate that part. Grave mine. Grave mine. Uh, I think that wasn't they, a great character. No, and they never. I feel like they never knew what it was. I didn't know what it was for a long time, and I didn't know why I had the ability to teleport people. Yeah, because I think it's kind of kind of arbitrary. So speaking of Halo, did you watch the Microsoft briefing? I didn't. Gamescom? I kind of listened to the announcements as they. Did anything fil- stick out to you? Filtered out. Um. I've never played Crackdown. Love Crackdown. But I really want to play Crackdown 3 because I think that's the closest I'm ever going to get to Red Faction, Faction Gorilla Destructible Environment. I, I, I don't know why no one... I don't even know why they didn't do that again. Like, I would have much rather... Who owns it? Deep Silver? Red who, Faction? Who bought, who bought it? Yeah. I don't know. Who bought it after the THQ? It's a Volition game. Burnout. Who owns Saints Row? No one bought Red Faction. Who bought Red Faction? No, someone bought Red Faction. I think it was the same people who bought... Darksiders, wasn't it? Well, Darksiders was bought by Crytek. Really? Because mm-hmm. there was Coke. Or did Darksiders end up in, like, nothing? No, because Darksiders, like, a remake of Darksiders 2 is coming out. Definitive Edition. Yeah, I think that's Crytek doing it. Is it? Because there was Deep Silver bought up a bunch of it, and then Coke Entertainment bought up some of it. Nordic Games. Nordic Games. Who also owns Darksiders. Yes. But I think Crytek owns Nordic, maybe? I don't know. I think they're kind of just letting that thing... They're either taking the Geomod tech, and they're doing something else with it, or they're letting the Red Faction name kind of settle after Armageddon, and how forgettable that was. And, I don't know. Maybe they're going to blow everyone out of the water with a really amazing... Did you see the trailer for uh, Homefront 2? Yes. I thought that was pretty cool. That, that does look cool. And I really like the concept of Homefront. I do. I like the concept of... I don't know. I've never seen Red Dawn. Or its remake. Don't see the remake. <laughs> Wolverines! Yeah. The, uh... I thought that trailer was awesome. Just the same way that the original Dead Island trailer was built. 
just a good execution. Yeah. Good trailers are cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool with the kid on the stage, like, having to read that. Kind of freebie. Yeah. I, I don't know. We did that stuff in World War Two. We made all the Germans come in and denounce what they did. They would bring, they would get movie theaters together and have the Germans look through all the Holocaust photos and didn't know what was happening. It's like all, oh good. They did that with, um, well you see that, you still see it, but they did that in uh, Rescue Dawn. You ever seen that movie with Christian Bale? You know what it's about? Mm-hmm. During the Vietnam War, he was a pilot and he crashes and he gets captured by the Vietnamese mm-hmm. and they bring him just to like what looks like an embassy, I think. And mm-hmm. they tell him, sign these papers and we'll let you go. And his papers like him denouncing oh, no. what, what the Americans were doing. And he said, no, I can't do this. You know, America gave me my wings. Mm-hmm. And so they throw him in this hellhole of an internment camp for like three years Jeez. until he escapes. Did... I'm trying to think. Uh, I think that was from Gamescom. That was interesting. That you like... I thought Scalebound looked cool. I didn't see it. I like Monster Hunter. It's Monster Hunter meets Don't Make Cry, basically. That's what they were saying, yeah. Um, it's just more of a... Uh, the tone was stupid. It's very, like... Over the Japanese top. punk. Yeah. That's what it looked like from that initial trailer. Yeah. Um, the Blizzard stuff looked really cool. You gonna get back into WoW? I mean, no. No? I want to, but no. Yeah, me neither. Um, well, I want to talk more about that, though, because I think it's always interesting. I think it's interesting... What they named it, I think World of Warcraft Legion is interesting because I was just reading some minor stuff before the announcement yesterday Mm -hmm. and they were saying things like, the latest leak was saying it was going to be something called the Dark Prophet and it was going to be focused around the Broken Isles, which is like an island chain from Warcraft 3, which is where the Tomb of Sargeras was. Did did you play Warcraft 3? Mm Mm-mm. Um... It was like a, a big section in either Warcraft 3 or the Frozen Throne. And, okay. But they were saying that there's going to be a big ship sailing component, but which there isn't. No! I was excited about that. You told me that and I got excited. And calling it World of Warcraft Legion. So the Legion is basically the ultimate bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, like Sargeras is, like, that's it. Like, that's the Dark Titan. That's it. So... If they're calling this one Legion, and you're fighting the Legion again, which you haven't really fought the Legion since Burning Crusade, like, if this is the ultimate fight with them, like, that's it. It won't be it, though. No, I mean, they'll find another way, like, another... Maybe by then they'll have a new MMO. Maybe. I'm excited for Overwatch. Oh, I like Overwatch. I love TF2. I love TF2. That was, like... Evan and I's friendship is based on, like, TF2 coming out. Really? I never got into TF2. Played TF2 and we played Splinter Cell Double Agent multiplayer. Two just fantastic multiplayer experiences. Um, But it's always interesting, like, seeing them, in terms of seeing Blizzard, like, constantly re-sculpting that game. Oh, it's amazing! It's, it's, it's... And people always talk about it was better before, or it was... I, the fact that it still is a thing that's relevant, they're doing... I mean, games have to grow and change. You can't be, you can't exist for 12 years and be the same. You know? And if the hardcore shit would have worked, then Wildstar would have been a hit, and, you know... they Their subscriber numbers took a precipitous drop, though. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. It's, like, down to 
5.6 million. It's like their lowest since 2006 or something. I saw that, but I mean, it's gonna. Ha- it's been. It's so old. No, I know, and still, like five point six million people paying fifteen dollars a month. That's still. Are oh, those Blizzard employees? They're doing fine. Yeah. Um, and here's the storm. Is kind of cool in concept. Here's the storm. To me, is the only MOBA that I think I'd remotely be interested in. Yeah, because it's approachable. And that new fighting game, um, the robots. It's not a Blizzard game, but it's the same thing where they're boiling down. All the fighting games. Oh, um, Rising Thunder? Yeah. Rising, no, yeah, Rising... It's amazing. What's it called? Rising Sun? It's the robot one. It's the one from the Seth Killian guy. Yeah. But I like games that are... I think Rocket League boils kind of like ball sports down. A little bit, but yeah. it makes... It makes the idea of positioning and, and opportunity, you know what I mean? Makes sense. And I, I, if Hero Storm did that, then I could be into MOBAs. Uh, and I'm hoping Halo Wars will do that for RTSs. Um, I'm really excited for Halo Wars 2. But so many people have tried doing that, like, you know, what was it, N-War tried doing that by introducing all the voice commands. N-War wasn't bad. I mean, it, I don't think it was bad, it's just uninteresting. Right, and I think Halo Wars 1 was kind of dull for that same reason. I mean, nothing will be as good as Company Heroes. That's like one of the best games ever made. Nothing will be as good as Empire Earth. Empire is, is, is mediocre at best. Age, it's, it's an Agent Empire's wannabe with a longer timeline. Star Wars Galaxies, though. You're under attack! Galactic Warfare, maybe? Um, that was the game. Um, yeah, that's all interesting. It's interesting... Because those subscriber numbers came out, and then at seeing this, and then they announced Legion pretty soon after that. So I wonder if that was in response. Because why did they do it at Gamescom and not wait till mm-hmm. BlizzCon? It seems mm-hmm. like an interesting choice. I mean, that might just be me being conspiracy theorist. But... Was there a BlizzCon this year? I don't know. They usually they don't... no, they don't do them yearly anymore. Oh, is it? Every other year? Yeah, I think it's every other year. My brother went to that. Really? And dragged my mom to go. Really? Yeah. Did your mom, like, hate it? I don't think she hated it. I mean, any excuse to go to San Diego. Yes. Or not, Anaheim. I don't know if I could go... I think I find PAX interesting because... Well, it's a lot of different stuff. Yeah. I'm just, like, a Minecon or any of the... Yeah. Fan Expo. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever liked anything that much. To not go and contribute in some way. Rising Thunder. Rising Thunder. That's the fighting game. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I would never go to anything so narrow and specific like that. I mean, BlizzCon might be the closest. That's the closest I would go to because I love Diablo. And I love... I like StarCraft a lot. I like World of Warcraft. But even then, it's too... I, yeah, it's what? Like, four games? Yeah, it's okay. not... And it's not for me. I, I would rather go to like PAX and see all like the old... Game showcases and the board game stuff. I forget the they do that stuff. stuff. Yeah, that's the part that I would be most excited Cause, for. Because you think it's just a, a, a like a regular expo. It's like okay, there's gonna be new games, whatever, and then you forget like there's a whole another wing and there's the tabletop stuff and then a whole another wing. Oh, here's all the retro stuff for arcades and pinball stuff. No, and even they have like new like it packs. I feel like it's so much more about just going and playing games. It's much more about community. Yeah, um, it sounds that way. The yeah, as far as the, the WoW stuff, I mean, I could totally 
I just think that there's so much cool new stuff, especially this fall coming out, that like for me to reinvest in WoW, they have to do something pretty significant. It's free. If it was free, I'd probably like it for a little bit, just to see. Yeah. But also, I don't play games on my desktop anymore. I mean, I, I couldn't really. I play on my couch. Well, you can install WoW on that, though. Oh. It would run. It would be fine. Ready? Yeah. Um, mouse. Might have a mouse. But... I just don't play keyboard and mouse games anymore. Well, that's why Overwatch upsets me, because, like, you know, you see first-person shooters. Like, I understand, like, first-person shooters on a computer, you're supposed to play with keyboard and mouse. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. Because I grew up playing FPS games. I like laying on my couch on with a controller, and I'm not going to do that on PC because my response time is just going to be shit mm-hmm. compared to everyone else. So, either do matchmaking where you have to be matchmade with people with controllers, or release it on consoles. No, or I mean Titanfall on PC. I feel like Titanfall solved that problem because I always play Titanfall with a controller on PC, even online. Did you do okay? Yeah. Because they, they developed, I mean, Titanfall, I mean, kill count mattered, but it was more about the attrition and capturing, and, like, I just used the smart pistol that had the giant, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't, it created a rule set that, the keyboard was an advantage, sure, but, I mean, I never felt like I was that behind. And I feel like Overwatch the same way, because the character movement's a little slower. Um, it's got specials and supers. I mean, I feel like more about, it's about shifting a, a front line. And shifting a battlefield more than shifting a uh, a call of duty kill count. Um. Uh. What about the Deadpool trailer? What do you think of that? Oh, I thought that was great. Me too. Um. Everything just the trailer trailer where he's just making fun of the fact that his mouth was stitched in X Men Origins Wolverine and I like I'm trying to figure out how much of that is the the writers that the the screenwriters and how much of that is just Ryan Reynolds talking uh yeah I mean it has to be Ryan Reynolds is obviously oh, obviously I know Ryan Reynolds seems like he's invested in the character yeah like he um, seemed excited to go back to it well and he was I think I think it, it made sense to cast him as Deadpool the first time and then everyone's just like what what yeah what'd you what, do with him what happened Tim likes X-Men Origins Wolverine which makes absolutely no sense to I me I've never seen that oh uh, it's like it's not I mean, it's pretty bad. It's actually really bad. Yeah. I love the Wolverine. Oh, the Wolverine was fucking awesome. Minus the, the ending, but... I thought everything in the ending was cool. Minus the fight with the Silver Samurai. Um, that was so lame. Isn't there... Isn't he, like, mortal now or something? Because... In that movie? What's the catch? Like, because he was, like, draining his powers, wasn't he? Yeah, but then he came... It came... He got him back. Okay. Um, But he did get his... He has bone claws now. Right. Because that made him got ripped out. Does he have that in... You seen Days of Future Pass? It's... No. Oh, well, we need to watch... You know we're, which... gonna, we're gonna watch Days of Future Pass. We'll... You know which X-Men movie I've seen? The first one? Three. Wait, what? I saw that in theaters. All right, well, we'll have an X-Men movie session, and then we'll revisit this topic when you're educated. Um, But well, I like I like that Colossus is in it. Yes. I like that Colossus backhands him. Yeah. I like... I like that they make fun of how fucked up his skin is after the... Well, that's a constant thing in the comic, too. Surgery. He's not as ugly as I thought he was going to be. Because in the comic, he's just hideous. You ever seen his face? No, I, it always looked the same to me as it did in that trailer. It was just he had fucked up skin. Nah, it usually looked like this. 
Like, it was all, like, sores were open and stuff. His eyes glow yellow. Okay. I mean, that's not much far off. No, I guess this one's pretty close. All right, fine. Fair enough. You're right. I'm wrong. Um, I wonder how much they're leaning to the fourth wall breaking. Oh, my God. A ton. A ton. He's going to look at the camera at least once every half hour. I guarantee it. I like his eyes. The CG eyes on his face. Yeah, I'm curious how much of that suit's CG. It's got to be CG. The whole thing? No, 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 no. No, the no, face I know, I, yeah, 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 I know that part. Is. No, I think he's in the suit. Especially for the parts where he's in the truck where he puts yeah, his hands up. That's his hands. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of it's going to be CG. As long as it's not green. And animated. I did, Wendy had to show me, he was like, did you know this is making fun of Green Lantern? Green Lantern? I was like, holy shit. It's pretty good. They're just... Man, they just had knives out going for everyone. Don't I like it, though. I think it, we live in a society where, like, there's so much information out there that if you don't acknowledge it, it just, it's, it's almost weirder. You know what I mean? Like, because there's no... Everyone has IMDb at all times. Everyone knows. And Deadpool's the kind of character that would, would notice that. It's just... It's interesting, you know, in the face of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, how... You know, I bet Marvel would like to have that character. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Marvel would like to have all of its characters back. Wait, didn't Marvel get Deadpool, though? Or is this a Fox movie? This is a Fox movie. Really? Yeah. That's why it's Ryan Reynolds. Well, Ryan Reynolds can go regardless. I thought that Deadpool wasn't a Fox movie. No, Deadpool is. The ones that are shared between Fox and Marvel are uh, Quicksilver Scarlet, and Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch. Where's that Venn diagram that has all the Marvel properties where they where they are? Um. Oh yeah, I guess also. Weird. I thought it went back over, which is how it was gonna get made. But I could be wrong. Yeah, here it is. Venn diagram? Isn't that the old one, though? I don't... Has it changed? Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, but that's it. Um, Who's that in the Universal Picture one? Namor. Why does... Why do they own Namor? I don't know. Why does Lionsgate own Man-Thing? That one makes more sense to me for some reason. It is Fox. Whoa! And then, and then Stan Lee is just <laughs> out here in the corner. Hey, he does whatever he wants. No, My okay. cousin met Stan Lee. Your cousin what? My cousin met Stanley. When? He went to a uh, look. He went to a look? No, just look at the damn photo. Well, that's John Stewart. Damn it, Curtis. That's John Stewart? Look, there he is. Boom. Stanley at Boston Comic Con. All right, back. <laughs> Dylan. He looks so just hopped up on Whatever. vacation. Shut up. Dude, it's cool. Dylan, what else do you want to talk about? You been playing anything recently? Brightly. Is that all you've been playing? Uh, Wendy got in the Rocket League. Really? So she's my 2v2 partner. Oh, a couple that Rocket League together stays together. She sucks right now. Oh, Dylan, that's not nice. She'll learn. Evan and Austin suck. Austin bought it. Um, you been playing anything else? We spent a lot of time about Rocket League. I don't have anything else to say about Rocket League right now. No, neither do I. And the fact that I, my ranking went way down and I suck at 1v1 right now. I'm not playing ranked anymore. I've just been doing unranked. Anything else? Oh, I have one. 
I download the Ghostbusters game, and then when I go to options and make the controller, it freezes every time. Really? It just crashes? It just crashes. Wow. On Windows 10. I'm like, fuck this. This is annoying. Who? So I haven't even bought to look up a fix for it. I'm sure there's a fix for it. But I, I literally, I can change every setting, and then I go to controller, and it goes bloop, and it just crashes. You play with the mouse and keyboard. Because fuck that. Wait. Do you think it's because of Windows 10? I, I don't know what it is. My drivers might be fucked up. I don't know. I time to work Fix it. And then... I want to download Galaxy, but I haven't got to that yet. Oh, Galaxy. Yeah. And then I downloaded Dying Light again. Because I want to play that. I want to finally beat that. The only time I saw you play Dying Light was when we were seeing if the Steam streaming worked from your MacBook Pro. And you booted up Dying Light. And it was like, yeah, it works. And then you went to turn and it was like, okay, so it's a little chuggy. It's gotten better. Um, but that's all I've been planning. I haven't beaten. Uh, I haven't gotten back to Batman. I haven't got back to The Witcher because they gotta get my cloud. There's no cloud save in it, as I found out. So I gotta recover my save from my old SSD. And then, so the developers have to plug that in. Cloud saves? Yeah. Well, it's not in Steam. I have it through God Galaxy, and uh, God Galaxy doesn't have cloud saves yet. So if it was on Steam, it would have cloud saves. Okay. So do you developers have to enable that? But if you do Steamworks integration, then it's usually one of the things, I think. I have to look into it. But do you have to... Is there, like... Do you have to manage your data? No, no. All my Steam games, all my saves are good to go. No, but I'm saying, like, in general, do people have to manage? Like, are you only given, like... You're only given five gigs for saves? No. No, no. It just creates a directory in the game board. Game saves. And they can do as much space as you have. Oh, you mean for Steam? Yeah. The Steam... Like... They have to hold on to it, obviously. It gets uploaded to them. Yeah. What do you mean, no? Like, no, there's no cap, or no, they don't hold on to it? Oh, I have no idea. Mm, no, uh, Steamworks save cap. I'll look it up right now. Mm. Yeah, this is successful. Oh, shit, that was, that was it. Or you should shouldn't stop after the first result. Uh, ninety four point ten available. It's like, oh it's, no, it's per game. So each they make an agreement with the game. So Portal Two gets a gig. Um, but they have a server. Like Steam maintains that server farm. I guess so. Oh, cool. And then they make an agreement with the, the game company. Maybe. I, I mean, know. that makes sense. I mean, like Microsoft does that. Mm-hmm. So and it's not like game saves are huge there. Unless you're Bethesda games. But even then, how big is it? Well, they're each like hundred. three megs. How much? A couple megs. That adds up real quick in a Bethesda game. I guess. You save like I do. You oh. save every time. No, I, and then I go back and I start deleting That's a bunch. That's a pain. Oh, it's a pain to go it down sucks. the list? Yes. <laughs> no, yes. Yes. Dylan. Okay. Anything else? Uh, nope. That podcast? We'll it's... talk about our other game ideas in another week. Okay. You want to talk about Ant-Man? You have Ant-Man on this list. I like Ant-Man. Mm, I like Ant-Man. It's good. Corey, okay, I mean a lot. Corey Stoll makes a good villain. Yeah, he's a seething little boy. He always seemed like a little boy. Just like a really angry little boy. Really? To me, yeah. Even this, he's like, his dad, he wished he had never loved him enough. You were saying that Hank Pym was like, like he is a little Machiavellian, but he's not like super fucked up. You're making him sound like he In was... the comics? No, well, I was talking about the movie. Okay. No, no, no. I, I meant in the comics. Oh, okay. 
I mean, I must have been quick. Hank Pym in the comics is a. Uh, I mean, look it up. I mean, he's, he's fucked up. Well, he's the one that created Ultron in the comics, right? And they yeah. Change it to Johnny Stark. Yep. So, no, no. In the movie, I thought he was he was fine. Yeah. Well, he was a little manipulative. Yes. I just like the fact that in the movie, it's constantly winking at the fact that Ant Man is just kind of a weird concept. Yeah. Like, like that I, whole fight with Falcon. No, was awesome. No, they make him like a really like. They made his and Ant Man is cool. Like Ant Man's cool, but it you, it takes some buy in, and I think they earned the buy in. Um. Because he can do stuff that other heroes can't. Like Iron Man and Thor can pretty much do the same thing. They can fly and they're strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. They solve problems in a similar way. They either shoot it or they shoot lightning at it. You know, Captain America is always interesting because he's a little more limited, so his solutions to be a little more. And he's also a Boy Scout. Yeah, I mean that's not interesting, but like I think, well, what's he gonna throw a shield at? You know, I like Black Widow. The Hulk's always fun because you never know. Hawkeye. Do you see that uh, John Stewart clip where he was talking about? Apparently, there was one of the biggest climate change marches in New York recently, and like all these people here, like the who's the uh, UN Security General? Is his last name Moon? Uh, I don't know. The um, he was there, you know. Uh, Al Gore is there. All these people. <laughs> There's a picture. Um, is it Jeremy Renner? No, it's um. Mark it's Mark Ruffalo, and then who was the guy that played Hulk in the in the standalone movie? And the guy was from Fight Club. Oh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. And they're standing together. Oh, and no. John Stewart's like, you know, they're really, you know, for environmental protection ever since they're getting radiation exposure. Oh, I thought you could say, he's like, you better fucking listen to what they're saying, because two Hulks can get mad. No, no, oh. I, I like that joke better. Damn it. But I mean, how does that conversation work if you're Mark Ruffalo and you go up to Ed Norton and be like, um, sorry, Toki Chan. Uh, I thought Ed Norton said that because he had, like, creative differences about how they wanted the films to go. Well, I thought creative differences was the same, like, I thought him and, like, Terrence Howard both left in, like, the same, like, bad blood kind of situation. I guess so. Do you think Ed Norton was more amicable? Uh, and... You just don't hear about it as much. I feel like you hear the Terrence Howard one a lot more. Yes. But I think people are also more partial to Terrence Howard. Well, I like Ed Norton. I did too. I love I love the Ed Norton Hulk movie. I thought it was dope. But also, I think Mark Ruffalo said they did a great job. You know, William Hurt's going to be in Cap 3. Really? Thunderbolt. That's cool. Ross. And then Ant-Man's going to be in Cap 3. Yeah. Well, they kind of set it up for him and Falcon to have a little, a little feud. Um, But yeah, I thought Ant-Man... It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, th- I like... I think I like... Oh, go ahead. Well, the farther they dig down to these more extraneous characters, I think it gets more interesting. Like, I'm super interested how a Doctor Strange... I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're going to eventually scrape... They're going to hit a point where everyone realizes, all right, we're running out of... Well, sure, but hopefully they put a bow on it. No, I hope they start making new Marvel properties. Think. Yeah. Why not? Like, that'd be so cool. Doesn't like, mean that's not what the comic book industry is built on. It's not built yeah, on making new stuff. It's built on mini- taking advantage of your nostalgia. No, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is arguably a newer franchise in the grand scheme of Marvel Comics. Sure. And they kind of made the movie into its own spin on that world. Yeah. 
But like, look what they're doing. Look what Disney's doing with Star Wars. Like, they yeah. already have how many Star Wars movies in the pipeline? Yeah. Which I'm sure they'll all be good, if not great. But at least this first run better be. They can't burn everyone for another ten years, then they can burn them again. Because Disney can make shit movies too. Sure, like all these live action fairy tale movies. And Home on the Range. Oh God. <laughs> Forgot that was in. Yeah. Alright, Dylan. You got anything else? I'm also curious what a Black Panther movie is going to be. It's not going to be a movie. It's a TV show. Oh, fuck. It is a movie. I'm thinking of... Well, Iron Fist. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oops. Um, uh, uh, Why is that racist for assuming it's going to be a TV show? It wasn't going to be... Now it's more. As you just let it go. Um, well, I was curious. I don't know. I don't want to go into it. Um, okay. um, I love Daredevil show though. Oh, it's great! I think all the Mar- I think the Marvel TV initiative is the most exciting thing, given how much I love that Daredevil show. I thought the Daredevil show was easily my favorite show probably this year. Have you ever seen Agents of Shield or Agent Carter? I've seen a little of both, and I wasn't crazy about. It. I like Agent Carter a little more. Yeah, Tim loves both those shows. Agent Carter seems cool just because it'd be cool to see that studio take on World War Two more. Right, and I thought the coolest part about Captain America 1 was the fact that it was in World War Two. And it was a pretty bold move by them. Well, it's fun. Well, I was going to say it's funny because, like, you can only take advantage of that for so long because, like, we're kind of at the tail end, like, mm-hmm. but wait, no, they just cryogenically freeze him, so I guess mm-hmm. we can make a cat movie in 3000 AD and it still makes sense. Or you just retcon the whole thing, do it again, go back to World War Two, Or, like, where it's like, you know, Iron Man... Originally, it took place in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and then they just switched it to Afghanistan, Middle East, or I guess I think it was Afghanistan, a desert, um, unnamed Middle Eastern country. We're gonna have a website soon. Are we? Yes, because I'm gonna have time next week to work on it. Cool. So the podcast will actually live somewhere. We'll feed. Won't be homeless. We'll be homeless. Left stranded and hungry. In folders. And uh, we'll have a nightlife in three weeks. I won't have a nightlife. Shut up. I don't like puns. Puns are the lowest form of comedy. Um, you can follow us on our non-existent website. We'll take care of games.com We'll take care of that. We will have a website when this is on somewhere. And we have an email. It's at gmail.com. And what other social media channels should we get, Dylan? Should we get Twitter? Which one are you going to post on? Oh, it's uh, Twitter, my responsibility. Should, no, no, it'll be my responsibility. I like Twitter. I feel like Twitter's a lot of, a lot, there's a lot of game dev scene there that we need to be a part of. Ford Parker is my favorite part of Twitter. Really? You know who that is? No. That's the fake CFO of Devolver Digital. It is basically a remade Colonel Sanders. Really? And he just Oh, I have makes, seen that. He just makes one of other developers. And it's the best. Alright, well it's the we'll best. I like Not a Cop, that Twitter account. It's funny. Really? Where he just goes around and he looks for people posting about like doing drugs. And drugs. Stuff. He's like, ah, hey, where can we meet up? I thought you were saying that was, that was Tim's Twitter. Was no, like, that'd be pretty good too though. So we'll get on Twitter. You should probably make a Tumblr. 
I feel like you can manage Tumblr more than me. I can do that. Um, maybe you just gotta be consistent on it. I like the good thing is oh good. No okay. Oh, that we'll have. I mean, we'll have at least a thing we can put out a week on all our stuff. Oh yeah. And then we can do some some, you know, figure out other stuff. But the big thing is just getting stuff out there and going. Well, I want to say, I think the most interesting thing right now is that, um. You know, we were being very frank and open about nightlife and right. what we were doing about it. And, you know, I listened to, like, I just listened to the Giant Bombcast this week's, and they were talking about how, you know, the Double Fine videos about Broken Age. And the Rare Replay stuff is cool. Yeah, yeah. and there needs to be more of that. No, I think I think that's the, that's, that's the one interesting thing that we bring. Because, like I said, no one gives a shit about what we think right now, at least. But I think that it's cool more as an archive, too, of just the things. The more discussions that we can catch on this about decisions that we make, the more interesting it is, you know. Which is kind of why I framed the beginning of it. Talking about what the point of the credits are, why we're executing on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that once we wrap up Nightlife and we go into this next project, whatever that may be, just the, the one idea that we've been bouncing around. I think it'd be really cool to kind of get a lot of that um, on the record, more or less. Yeah. You know, and, and showing people a lot of stuff is decided on, and a lot of stuff is decided on because it someone has to make a decision on it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that'll be cool. And showing people it's not a black box. No, but I also think it'll be cool. It'll keep us honest and progressing because we want to have stuff to talk about. Um. Because I kind of like talking about the progress we made on Nightlife and the progress we made on Ward. And yeah. Alright. Definitely. I need to take a shower. Go take a shower. Okay. Smelly boy. Look at that. Ooh, how you doing?